Yeah, welcome to RUF. Uh, my name is Simon Stokes. I'm the area campus minister here. And if I've never met you, I'd love to meet you at some point and get to know you, um, sit down with you, and um, get to hear more about your life and who you are. Um, man, RUF is a place where we really do believe that God really wants to deal with the real us, um, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the things that we're, we don't like about ourselves, the things we try to hide from ourselves and from other people. God actually wants to deal with that. And because we believe God wants to deal with that, we actually believe that we'd like to deal with that with you as well and with one another. Um, and so we, I think actually that's probably the best place to do friendship and community is where you're actually known and cared for and seen for the real you. And we would really love to do that with you if you're interested in it. Um, tonight uh, we have a couple, of, I had a couple of my own announcements here at the start. One, uh, Libby Robinson from Merrimack is here. Uh, Libby, will you raise your hand real quick? She, uh, she's a rep with Camp Merrimack. If you're uh, looking for something to do over the summer and you love camps and you think camps are great, Merrimack is a wonderful camp. It's in Black Mountain, North Carolina. It's beautiful. You should check it out sometime. Um, she's here uh, to talk with you more about that at the end of this if you're interested. Also, uh, if you don't have anywhere to go for Thanksgiving and you want to come to our house and eat Thanksgiving with us, we'd love to have you. Uh, I know a lot of people travel home or... Uh, go see family or relatives somewhere else. But if you're here and um, you don't have any plans, come to come to our house. Talk to me and Katie about that afterwards. Um, but we'd love to host you. We're already hosting two students from Duke, so come on. <laughs> uh, we'd love to round it out with some kids from Cal- Carolina. Um, so this semester we've been going through the book of Psalms, which is kind of a worship guide or a, a book of worship music from ancient Israel, and talking about what does it mean that this is how God actually wants to deal with us? What does it mean that this has got a space for the highs and the lows of life and really who we are? And really ask ourselves, what does it look like to live life with God? What does it look like to live life with God in a world where you know, we're not perfect and life's not perfect, but God is perfect? How do we live that kind of life? So this week we're wrapping up our series on the Psalms. Uh, next week is Thanksgiving, so we're not going to have RUF. Uh, but after that, um, we're going to do probably a lessons and carols, kind of singing some Christmas songs, doing some, some things like that, and probably do some sort of Christmas party. We're looking to try to do that uh, maybe somewhere else so we can actually have food here. We can't have food in Murphy. Um, but stay tuned. Check our Instagram, Facebook, emails. We have many ways to communicate. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just, just kind of giving you a heads up on that. Um, but this week we're ending our series on the Psalms by asking, what does it mean that God has blessed us? What does it mean that God has blessed us? And how do we turn and bless God and bless the world? So I'm going to read Psalm 103 and talk about that. This is Psalm 103 of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, 
so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it's gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you as angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let me pray for us and we'll get started. Lord, we do pray that you would come and bless us tonight with your power, with your presence. Jesus, that in you we would see the source of all beauty and truth and goodness shining upon us giving us life, healing us, bringing us out of darkness and into light. God, give us what we need tonight to be with you, to be blessed by you, to love one another and, be, and bless one another. God, send us into this world with that blessing. And let us be a part of the healing of the world too. In your name we pray. Amen. When you go to the mall, or you're clicking around on Amazon, or you watch TV... Do you ever think about like the advertisements that you see or those commercials that you see? Have you ever thought that there's kind of this picture there for you or kind of an image of what your life would look like if you were blessed? Like what it would look like for you to have like a really good life? Like if you just took that product into yourself, man, everything changes, right? Suddenly, like you got it together you're cooler, you're better looking. Like, how did that happen? I don't know. I just bought that sneaker, right? (laughs) I mean, take coffee, for example. What's the picture that cool local coffee shops are trying to show you when you walk in and see stuff? One, there's this kind of sense of brokenness that every good marketer is going to tap into. Like, you're drinking Starbucks? That over-roasted, incinerated bean? Do you even know how good our fa-la-la latte is? Have you even had that? Like, how miserable your life must be. Right? Like, they're tapping into the sense of brokenness, which you don't have. Then there's this offer of community. Oh, oh, come out of the cold and into the warm glow of our coffee shop with exposed brick and old wooden timbers. <laughs> You've been to this coffee shop, haven't you? <laughs> We have really cool guys with big, fat, mountain man beards. But don't worry, they're not scary. You'll know they're gentle by their skinny jeans and their love, love of soft indie rock. Come, come, join a community where the coffee flows like wine and everyone has a tattoo of a little bird on their ankle, right? Three, there's the hope of redemption. I spent a lot of time in coffee shops, (laughs) y'all. There's the hope of redemption. When you buy this coffee, if you pay $3 for a cup of our our pour-over, not only will your headache go away and you'll finally be able to focus, but you'll have this zen-like level of tranquility. You'll be reading books and having the conversations that smart people have. You'll have this incredible coffee shop community, and it's all local and super organic. And you'll be helping barefoot farmers in Venezuela. (laughs) 
to save the rainforest just by drinking coffee, the thing you were going to do anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, a new hero walks among us, right? Like, and then finally, there's this picture of that blessedness if you were to have it in yourself. Like, you will be the one wearing the skinny jeans. At last, you will be able to pull off the cool tattoo. Guys, you will grow a mountain man beard so thick and so fat, bald eagles will nest in it. It will be amazing. Ladies, you will be able to pull off urban chic, finally. And all you have to do is buy this cup of coffee. Right? Like, you're constantly surrounded by all these kinds of advertisements of like what blessedness for your life would look like. Each one giving you a picture of what it would look like to have the good life. You're surrounded by this stuff, but have you ever thought about what it would really look like for you to be blessed by God? Like to be loved by God, surrounded by His blessing, full of His blessing. Because we can drink a lot of coffee. We can have a lot of cool tech gadgets. You can be able to sing every single lyric from a Kendrick Lamar album. You can feel like you're doing pretty good in school. Even at this point in the game, right? Like, you're doing pretty good in school. And still feel like, am I blessed? Like, do I have what I need to be blessed? And not only just for me, but for the people around me. Like, can I give them something too? What I want to suggest to you tonight is that in order to live life well with God and the people that God's put in your life, that you've got to be blessed by God. And that only from that place of blessing can you actually turn around and bless the world and bless the people around you. So tonight, I want to look at Psalm 103 and just ask two questions of it. I want to ask, how have we been blessed? I want to ask, how do we bless? How have we been blessed? How do we blessed? Or how do we bless? Um, how do we blessed? <laughs> so, how does David say that we've been blessed? I, when I read this song, I think the better question is almost, how doesn't God bless his people? Because there's tons of blessing in this, right? I mean, just look at this. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit, which is another word for death. He redeems you from death. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Y'all, one of the major bullet points for God's character is he is a God full of steadfast love and mercy. And he said, I'm going to crown you with this. I'm going to put this on your head and let you walk around with it. He satisfies you with good. Like you're just so full with his goodness that you just, you're full all the way to the brim. He works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. This isn't just spiritual, but that's hugely important. But God cares about the people who don't have enough to eat on Thanksgiving. He cares about people who have to go and sleep in threadbare clothes under bridges. He works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. And he goes on and on and on. What's David doing there? What's he doing? He's remembering what God does. He's recalling to himself all the ways that God has blessed him. Because he knows that he's prone to forget. He's prone to lose that sense. And so he has to to rehearse it to himself. And that's us too. Like, we forget all the time the things that God's done for us. Look, we come from a culture that says blessing happens when you dig down deep into yourself, find the real you, pull that out, and push it out into the world. Do you realize that so much of your stress is because, like, we live in that kind of narrative for ourselves? 
Like so much of the stress and the anxiety that we feel comes because you've got to look inside of yourself and come up with your own plan and your own blessing, and then it's all on you. And that leads to two things. One, it leads to paralysis. Because if it's all on you, then you're terrified to do anything because then you might make a mistake. Look, for some of us, and I would definitely count myself in this, the only way not to fail is not to try. And so we get stuck not doing anything. And we're paralyzed. The other place that it takes us to is selfishness. It takes us to selfishness. Look, when you are the one that has to look inside of you to make you happy, then you are the only one that matters in your world. And everybody else has just kind of got to get out of the way. Look, seeking after blessed blessing by looking inside of ourselves and kind of dragging that out and making our plan and making that happen is just not a recipe to find what we're seeking. It's not going to lead to the true blessing that God is talking about here. In fact, it probably will lead to more paralysis, more anxiety, more selfishness than what we had before. Instead, what the Bible offers is something that's way more radical. It says, you've got to give up on blessing yourself. That doesn't mean you don't plan. That doesn't mean you don't try. But ultimate blessing for yourself is not going to come from you. But actually, the sort of freedom and blessing that you crave is only going to come when you see that God acts first. That God is the first mover in blessing. That just like you need food and drink to take inside of you, and that comes from outside, wisdom and life and blessing don't come in from inside of you. But they actually come from outside. They come from God and His grace. And you and I relate to Him not based on what we've done or what we could do, but based on what He's done and how He's moved first. That He gives and then we receive. He pours out blessing and we take that in. Bless the Lord comes because God has blessed David first. And so David is turning around and then blessing God, right? This is why David starts blessing God where he does. Look at verse 3 here. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity. Like that's the first place of blessing because the place that God has to begin with us is dealing with like the sinful part of us that wants to do things on our own, that wants to put us at the center of our life. The part of us that says, you know, my life is about me and everybody else gets to be a spectator to my glory. But one of the odd things about Scripture is that actually the way up is down. That to be great, you've got to be a servant. That the path to fulfillment is self-denial. And where that starts is seeing your need to live under God's forgiveness. That before you can live a blessed life that's fulfilling and not about you, you have to start your, on your knees with this deep sense of gratitude for God's blessing. Because otherwise, everything is going to be about you. There's this old story that goes like this. It says, uh, a long time ago, in a faraway kingdom, there was a gardener. And this gardener loved to grow fruits and vegetables. And one day, he grew the most amazing bunch of carrots. And this gardener takes these carrots to the king of the land. And simply because he loved the king, he gave him the best of his harvest, the best carrots he had. And the king looked at this and he said, Gardener, you are doing such a great job with these carrots. Take a whole acre of my kingdom and just be the best gardener you can be. And the gardener goes away, happy. He's gotten to bless the king and the king has blessed him. And now he's going to bless the people around him. Well, standing there watching this was this courtier. 
This is one of these people who lives and works in the court. And he says to himself, you know, if this farmer who's scraping around the dirt all the time is going to get an acre of land for a bunch of carrots, what could I give if I gave the king something really great? And so the next day he gives the king this huge, fine war horse. And he says, king, check out this horse. It's all yours. And the king takes it and he says, oh, thanks. I appreciate it. And does it do anything else? And the courtier is mad about it. And the king can, can sense it. And he says, you know, you're mad at me because I didn't give you anything like I gave that farmer. But you see, when that farmer came in, he was giving me his carrots. And when you came in with your horse, you were really giving yourself a horse. See, that wise king could see that what that guy wanted was really just to, to bless himself by giving him, making it look like he was really generous. And the place for us to start with, with blessing other people is to see that God blesses us first. That we give because God loves us and cares for us. Otherwise, the seemingly good things that we do will always really just be for ourselves. So that people, when we leave a room, will be like, oh man, that guy is so nice. And he is so competent. And he just seems to care so much about people. And it just looks like he's just the most well-rounded person. That ultimately, all of that stuff leads back to us. If we're just seeking our own blessing. But look at verses 11 and 12 here where David's celebrating or elaborating on the blessing of forgiveness. He says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Look, how far apart are east and west? Like, they're infinitely far apart, right? They can't ever touch. And David is saying that when God forgives you, when God really blesses you, your sin can't ever touch you. In your eyes, in God's eyes, you're bulletproof. For people who are constantly looking for kind of creating their own blessing, we tend to find ourselves about what we have or haven't done. But when your definition of yourself, when your identity is wrapped in God's forgiveness, then it's not about you. It's about God. You are pulled out of the equation. Because your good stuff wasn't good enough to get you in with God, it's not part of the equation. Because your bad stuff and your sin and the things you don't want people to know about you wasn't bad enough to keep you out, that's not part of the equation. And so you're free to live in this unselfish, fulfilling life because you don't have to grab for all the blessings. You know that God has given you what you need. Look, if the image here is that this huge space that gets opened up between east and west, what fills that space? What fills it is what verse 13 says here. Is that as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. That in the middle of this huge infinite space, God in his forgiveness comes in and dwells with us, loves us, is kind towards us, that he pours out his fatherly love on you and me. Not some of it, all of it. Like all of God's love is poured into your lap. And you're, when you're forgiven, he gives you everything in him. You know, one of my favorite shows the last few years has been a show called Parks and Rec. Uh, it doesn't get as much play as The Office, though I don't think that's entirely fair. I think it's an equally good show. Um, I know, there's a debate about that. <laughs> but one of my favorite characters in Parks and Rec is this guy named Ron Swanson, who's like this ultimate kind of, like I guess, Midwestern man's man. I don't know another way to describe him. 
Uh, but he basically lives on red meat and beer, uh, <laughs> which is kind of incredible. Uh, <laughs> but there's this uh, one episode where he's sitting down in, at a diner and he's ordering. And he looks at the waiter and says, I want you to bring me all the bacon and eggs that you have in this restaurant. And the waiter kind of takes the order and says, okay. And he walks away and Ron Swanson says, wait, wait, wait. And the waiter comes back and he says, I'm, I'm afraid that what you heard me say was, I want you to bring me a lot of bacon and eggs. But what I said was, give me all the bacon and eggs. Do you understand? And just like a few minutes later, there's this cut scene. And he's just uh, sitting in front of a mound of bacon and eggs, just like stuffing himself. And it's, a, it's amazing. I, I aspire to be that one day. But I, I tell you that story because I worry that some of y'all heard me say just now that God loves you a lot. But what I said was that God gives you all of his love. Like, God gives you everything. He pours all of that love into your lap. That God crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Which means that He gives you the most essential part of who He is and just puts it on your head. He remembers our frame that we're dust. Which means God knows you're weak. He doesn't expect you to be stronger than you are. God sees your weakness and is okay with it. Which not a lot of people here are willing to do. But God does it. And it's just so hard for us to get that into our bones. And to remember that. But just like David is saying to his own soul and saying, remember, don't forget, bless the Lord. We kind of have to just do the same thing. That we are people who are trained to believe that a life of blessing is a life that we go out and we grab. And we take. And we acquire. But what David is saying, what the Bible is saying, is the life of blessing is one where God gives and looks and is kind. Like I had a, um, I had a friend in seminary. They bought a shelter dog. I don't know if you've ever, do you, have you ever had a shelter dog or had friends who had a shelter dog? These are good friends for us. They bought a shelter dog named Franny. And Franny, I don't know what happened to her, but man, every time I came into their house, like Franny would bark and then run to the, as far away as possible and just kind of cower in a corner and just hide. And this husband in this family, he was the guy who would feed the dog. He would take the dog out early in the morning and, and walk it so it could do its business. He was the, dog, he was the one that like spent the most time with the dog because he worked from home. And yet there'd be times when he'd be sitting on the couch next to the dog and reach over to pet the dog and it would like cower away and move away from it. It was just trained not to trust, not to believe this is that good. Like everything in its life said to the contrary. I mean, it literally lived in a place where it was taken care of and watered and fed and doted upon. And it just took years, like years for it to believe that. And that's you and me too. Like God gives and blesses and pours out love into our life. And it's just so hard for us to believe that. It's so hard for us to wrap that around our hearts and to rest in it and dwell in it. Which is why this psalm is here. Because God wants us to remember and to know how good He is, how much He's blessed us. So, if that's what it means that God has blessed us, what does it mean that we would turn around and bless? Look how David ends this psalm. 
It's like he's the praise leader for a worship chorus. It's like, angels, you bless the Lord. All his works and all the places, you bless the Lord. You look under your seat. You look under your seat. You look under your seat. There's blessing, right? (laughs) David so understands how blessed he is that he wants everything to turn and bless God. I mean, he understands two things about blessing here. One, he understands that blessing is not selfish. That you are not blessed by God in these amazing ways so that you can circle the wagons and just keep that to yourself. But you're blessed not just because it's good for you, because it's good for the world. This is why blessing and grace are the source of real mission. That all real mission for God springs from this deep sense of God's blessing. That if you get the gospel, then you give the gospel. If God's forgiven you, then you forgive other people. If God has been patient with you, then you are patient with others. That real mission is revealing to people how good God is. It's just showing people how good and kind He is. Mission in this way is kind of apocalyptic. Which is, I know is a weird word to say, but what I mean by that, apocalyptic just means revealing or unveiling. It's like you have a sheet on a table and you just whip it away and, you know, there's the table, right? Mission is apocalyptic because... It's revealing to people how good God is. It's like saying to your friend, you know why you love Chick-fil-A waffle fries so much? Because God is good. And they could say, well, you know, I love the fries because the salt and the hot fried fat and the fact that the waffle shape gives more surface to the crunch and the crispy part of the fry. And you, you could say back, if you're apocalypsing them, right? No, that's what you love about the fry. But why you love the fry is because God is good. And he's made salt and hot fried fat and crispy, crunchy fries. Right? Like, that's entering into some sort of revelation of what God is like. Look, helping people to see God's goodness should just be part and parcel of what we're about. That what people on this campus need is a community of people that love one another and love God and just want to bless the people around them. That to take part in that kind of community and to invite people into that kind of community, like what we hope RUF is for you, is to get what you need to be blessed and to give to others what they need to be blessed. It's to give and receive the gospel. Two, David understands that blessing is about God. For a long, long time, people have said this, and it's older language, but it's rich and good, and we should kind of roll with this. But people have said about God, or asked this about themselves and God, what is the chief end of man? Like, not a gender thing, but more of like a humanity thing. What is the chief end of humanity? Do you know what the answer to that is? To glorify God, to bless God, and to enjoy Him forever. That what you were made for was to bless God and just to enjoy Him. To abide with Him, to be with Him. You were made for that. To be forgiven, healed, redeemed, loved. And if He's done that for you, then... Turn around and bless Him for it. Because it's about Him. And when you're walking to class and you know, okay, I have three midterms, midterms, because we're always in midterms, right? (laughs) Going on. And I've got this huge paper bearing down on me. And I'm trying to think about what the next step after that is. That I can look up from all the stuff going around and all the things are swirling around me and inside of me. 
and I can look across this campus and I can say, God, you made this place. And it's beautiful. And you've given me these opportunities. And you didn't have to do any of that stuff. But not only that, but you've forgiven me in Jesus. So I don't have to earn anything before you. And you love me. For no other reason than your love, you love me. Thank you. Like, that's what it is to turn around and bless God. It's to know what he's done and then just say thank you. It's about you, it's not about me. Thank you. And y'all ultimately will only do that if we see what God has done for us through the cross of Jesus. Because when you look at the cross of Jesus, what do you see? Do you see blessing or do you see cursing? You see cursing, right? Why cursing? So that God the Father could do all the things that David describes here for sinners like you and me. So that he could forgive, redeem, crown with his love, remove their guilt and sin from them as far as the east is from the west. That for you to be blessed, Jesus is cursed. For you to be healed, Jesus is cut and nailed. For you to be crowned with love, Jesus is crowned with thorns. That when you look at the cross, what do you see? You see God's awesome faithfulness and blessing to His people. That nothing, not even the instinct to spare His own Son, will turn Him back from keeping His word to you and me to bless us. That for all of our fears about how finals will go, and the sense that I don't have time to bless someone else, I only have time for me. Like This is where God's blessing and joy comes from. And so I'll end with this. Uh, today I was eating lunch with Katie and Emery, and uh, Emery was wanting to skip over Thanksgiving as we were talking about it, because when you're four, Thanksgiving is not as exciting as Christmas and the presents, right? <laughs> she doesn't even like turkey that much. Um, and she was asking like, about Christmas and what Christmas is about, and we were kind of explaining Christmas to Emery. And we said, you know, Christmas is Jesus' birthday, And yet it's a time when he doesn't get gifts, but we give gifts to one another because he's given us himself. And that that is what blessing is. That we give to one another because God has given us himself. And the surest sign of being blessed is to turn and to bless other people. Whether that's bringing a bowl of rice to a Thanksgiving potluck, or whether it's volunteering over Thanksgiving break, And not telling anybody about it, not putting on a resume, but just doing it because it's the right thing to do and you want to bless people. Live in God's blessing. Walk in God's blessing. Walk in the freedom and the joy of that. And then bless other people in turn. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, you have blessed us with everything in Jesus. You've given us everything we need to live life with you to be enjoyed by you. God, help us to enjoy you. Help us to live lives that are not about ourselves, but are about you and your work in our lives and the work of your life and other people. God, guide us to love each other. Guide us to see your love in Jesus. And Lord, set us free, even in the midst of so much um, turmoil with finals, God, with family, with travel. God, let us be free in you and in your joy. In your name we pray. Amen.
Sziasztok!